One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, if you can have a favorite chapter in the Bible, is Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And the reason why this chapter is one of my favorite chapters is because in it, Paul offers some remarkable wisdom to the early church, in particular, the elders at the church in Ephesus. At this point in Paul's journey, he's making his way to Jerusalem, and he knows that he will likely never see these brothers, these elders, again. And so he wants to see them one more time, and he wants to leave them with a message of encouragement. And there's a weight to the words that Paul speaks to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 because they're parting words. As Paul was traveling to meet these brothers, you know he was up at night thinking about, hey, what is it that I need to say to them? What is it that I want to leave with them so that they can walk in faithfulness and lead the Ephesian church to walk in faithfulness? What's the, the last word I want to offer them? And we see them recorded in verses 17 to 38 of this chapter we'll look at this morning. But I want us to consider, as we read these words, the impact, the effect that they should have on us today. These were meaningful words, no doubt, specifically for the Ephesian elders and the the church in Ephesus, as they're recorded here in Acts chapter 20. But by God's providence and the work of the Spirit, they are words, meaningful words for us today timely for us at this moment in our Multiply initiative. Today is Commitment Sunday. And as we think about our commitment, I want us to remember the primary goal driving everything we are doing now and everything we do as a church. And that is discipleship. We exist to make disciples locally and globally for the glory of God. And what we are doing right now is not outside the bounds of that overall God-given mission. We want to make disciples. And we believe that what God is doing in us right now as a church through this Multiply initiative is a means of discipleship. Our prayer from the beginning, as we started this, as we've moved through it for months now, is that we as a church would engage the scriptures to see what God has said to us through his word about the mission he's called us to, about our gospel task and how we're to participate in it as the people of God by offering ourselves and our resources for the service of the kingdom. We want God, we desire God to do something in us as a people so that he can do something through us for his glory. Otherwise, we've missed the mark. There's no reason to engage in any of this if it is not a work of God. And that is our prayer, that God would work in such a way that is clearly, clearly by his movement. It's it's clearly his direction that we are following and we are simply seeking to be faithful. And the message of Acts chapter 20 reinforces this goal of discipleship, specifically in the area of generosity. Because Acts chapter 20, the the words that Paul offers to the early church and to us today reminds us of how important generosity is in evidencing the work of the gospel. How important generosity is for a disciple of Christ. I want you to hear our heart this morning as pastors and leaders of your church. We are excited 
about the work that we believe God will do at Creedmoor Road. We're excited about the work that God will continue to do here on Bayleaf Church Road. We're excited about the potential of the building that we hope to build and the ministry that God will do through it. We're excited about the many people that we believe will be exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ on both campuses and respond by God's grace and the movement of the spirit and repentance and belief. Those are wonderful future things that we can long for and hope for. But I also want you to know that we are excited about what God is doing in us right now. We're excited about what we believe God wants to do as a people this morning. Because this morning could be a turning point in the history of our church. It could be a, a marker, a key moment as, as we think about one day, as, as we sit before the Lord in glory, the history of faithfulness at Bayleaf Baptist Church. Today could be one of those days that define and help write the story of the faithfulness of God's people here at Bayleaf. And so I pray this morning that as we hear these words from Paul, that we would receive them, asking God to work in us so that he can work through us in our response as we think about our commitment later this morning. Let's read together these words from Paul in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17. Now, from Miletus, which is right south of Ephesus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of this church to come to him. And when they came to him, here's what he said. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me throughout the, through the plot of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and inflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So, Pay careful attention to yourselves as elders and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. From among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me in all things. I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, 
how he himself said, quote, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul. They kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. What an emotional moment. An emotional moment for Paul, certainly, as he stands before these men that he's poured his life into, knowing what awaits him, but also for these leaders. Again, this was a spiritual father for him. He, he shepherded them as they sought to lead this church whenever he was on his missionary journeys. And they're gonna miss him. But also what a gift that they get to see him one last time and that they get to hear from him one last time. And here is kind of a summation of what it is that Paul tells them, a familiar refrain for many of us who are in the church, I'm sure to them, but he wanted them to remember. Elders, your life must be a testimony to the power of the gospel. Your life, the whole of your life must be a testimony to the power of the gospel. That's what your people need. They need to see how the work of Christ is continuing to show up in your life as an example to them so that then they can be an example to the whole world because the world needs this as well. As I have been an example to you, you be an example to them. And then Paul reminds them of how he served as an example. He gives a list here of evidences of the fact that the gospel has been continually at work in his life while he has been ministering to them. He says in verse 18, you know how I lived. You know the faithful way I lived and how that faithful way of living affirmed the power of the gospel that I proclaimed to you. He says in verse 19, I lived in humility, considering others and the need and the good of others more than myself. Again in verse 19, I endured. I persevered for the sake of the gospel, even though my enemies plotted against me and threatened my life. Paul, as we read in the book of Acts, suffered incredible persecution. He was ridiculed, slandered, beaten, stoned, imprisoned, and eventually he will lose his life, all for the sake of the gospel. But in every moment of difficulty, he persevered. He continued on. Verse, verses 20 and 21, he says, I lived boldly, boldly declaring the gospel to the Jew and to the Greek, calling people to faith and repentance and belief. I declare to you anything that was profitable, teaching you the riches of God's redemptive work in Christ I taught you the whole counsel of God and the riches of his grace. Verse 22, I have lived obediently, even now going to Jerusalem where I know, where I know I will be imprisoned, where I know I will be afflicted for the sake of Christ. I'm willing to give my life in obedience. Now, you would think a statement like that would be the climax of Paul's witness, his testimony to how the gospel has been evidenced in his life, but they are not his final words. Because after challenging these leaders, these elders, to make sure that they are living gospel evidencing lives, 
and charging them to guard the flock because false teachers will come from without and within. He offers one final example in verses 32 to 35 of the gospel showing up in his life. And I want to spend some some time here because of the specific wisdom that these last words offer to us today at this moment in our history. Let's look again at verses 32 to 35. And now I commend you to God. I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Remember, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. These words and these verses, these are the final, final words of Paul. The last thing he says to the Ephesian elders, and they're amplified because they're not just Paul's words. He also quotes Jesus. He saves the the best for last here. In fact, this is a unique quote from Jesus. We don't see Jesus actually saying this in the Gospels. This is the only record we have of him saying it. It's one of the only quotations that we have of Christ outside of the Gospels. It may be the only one. And so as Paul leaves and he wants to give them a word of wisdom, he goes to the source of all wisdom to encourage them as they lead the church in Ephesus. And here's what he says. Here's what he brings before them from Jesus himself. Be generous. Be generous with the whole of your life. Be generous like I have tried to be. Be generous like Jesus commands us to be. And how Paul builds this point is really important. His thought process matters. Let's let's walk through it for a minute. He says in verse 32, I commend you to God and the word of his grace. I'm entrusting you. I'm leaving. I'm not going to be able to see you again, but I'm entrusting you to God and I'm entrusting you to his gospel so that you continue to grow in wisdom and faithfulness so you can continue to be sanctified through his gospel. You're God's. I'm giving him to you. You you rest in the gospel. And then he he makes what appears at first to be kind of a turn in thought in verse 33. After he entrusts them to God and to the gospel and says the gospel is is how you're going to continue to grow in wisdom, how you're going to continue to be sanctified, he says, I coveted no one's silver. I didn't covet your gold or your apparel. I wasn't greedy. In fact, I worked. These hands, they provided for everything that I needed and everybody that was with me, I provided for what they needed. I worked hard so that no one, the the weak amongst us, would question the motivation for why I'm here declaring to you the gospel. I didn't want to do anything that would threaten my witness. I tried to live as Jesus told me to live. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But here's what I I want to contend this morning. 
that what appears to be a turn in thought, what could appear to be disconnected from verses 32 to 33, is actually intimately connected. And it's an exclamation point on all that Paul has been trying to say through the whole passage. Our lives are meant to evidence the power of the gospel, the sanctifying work of the gospel. And one of the greatest evidences of the gospel in our lives is generosity. As leaders in the church, as the people of God, you cannot have an ounce of greed in you because it does not reflect the character and nature of God as revealed in Christ. And it can threaten the witness that you have been called to give for the gospel. So, elders, give yourself to the gospel and let your generosity prove it. You call the church in Ephesus to give themselves to the gospel and let their generosity prove it because it is better to give than to receive. Now let's come back to this primary goal for our multiply initiative, discipleship. Because Paul is still making disciples here in Acts chapter 20. Even though these guys are shepherds, leaders, elders in the church, Paul is still discipling them, building them up so that they can build up the local church. And why? Why is it that he would do, why is it that Paul would end with this particular challenge? That's the question I've been wrestling with as I've, as I've read and studied in Acts chapter 20. Why does Paul end with a focus on generosity and a warning against Greed. Here's why I think he does this. Because the way we think about money says a lot about the way we think about the gospel. The way we think about money, the way we handle money, says a lot about the way that we think about the gospel and the lordship of Christ. Listen, the way we use our money is a clear, measurable indicator of our gospel commitment, our commitment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourself. We spend every day, we spend money every day and our spending expresses a value. The way we spend, it expresses what we ultimately value, what we ultimately love, right? Because the Bible tells us where our treasure is, there's also what? Our heart. So our spending is an easy way to gauge, to see how we are doing, living under the lordship of Christ. But here's the question that we gotta wrestle with in our, our journey toward Christ's likeness. Are we looking at our spending habits with spiritual eyes? Are we, are we asking God to speak to us through our spending habits to see where our hearts, our priorities, our treasure actually lies. Because there's discipleship here for us. I was listening to Tim Keller, one of my favorite pastors and teachers, teach about this passage, and he made an observation that was so profound. He said in all the years of his pastoral ministry before the Lord took him home, he had people come into his office and confess all kinds of sins, all kinds of things that they wanted help with to try to overcome, to be more like Christ and find freedom. They confessed lust or adultery, gossip, addiction. But he said, I never once had someone come into my office and say, I'm greedy. 
I spend way too much money on myself and I need to repent of it. Not once. Why? Because we're not trained to think that way about money. We just spend it. We just spend it most of the time without giving thought to how it is or what it is that we're spending on is actually expressing a reality about our own hearts. But church, what if we're missing one of the most helpful and obvious gifts of God's grace to us to see how we are doing in our discipleship journey? What have we been ignoring the way our spending habits speak to our growth as disciples? You see, while money itself is not an idol, it certainly reveals a lot of idols. It certainly reveals what's most important to us because money is always spent, or maybe even not spent if you're a big saver, in service to something. Here's another thing that Dr. Keller said when he was preaching on this passage. He says, you know, in the course of my life, I've never spent a lot of money on clothes or fancy cars or things like that. He said, but I, I spent a lot of money on books. And I've never once blinked an eye at going and buying a new book that I wanted. And he said, I begin to ask the question, okay, why? Why do I have all these books? Why am I spending so much money on books. And he said, you know, I think part of it is because I find my identity in being an expert. I'm a teacher. I'm a preacher. People come to me for answers. And while certainly a part of that is a call from God on my life, a part of that also I kind of like. There's a little bit in me that it's a little self-serving. And so I've had to constantly bring this before the Lord to make sure when I go and I buy a book that it's in service to God's call on my life and not just a way for me to continue to try to buy the favor of man. It's like I, I never even considered how my spending habits regarding books was revealing something in my heart. And that's the discipleship opportunity, friends. What does our spending say about what we value? If you were to to put your spending habits before the Lord, what is it that you're trying to buy in the flesh? If you're not submitting everything before the Lord, are you trying to buy approval? Like Dr. Keller, you're spending things that try to, to gain approval from other people, the right clothes, the right car, the right school, the right stuff. Maybe you're spending for power so you can accumulate things to make you feel better are more important or more powerful than those around you. The more stuff I have compared to someone else, the more successful I feel, and that's where I find myself worth and how the, the world around me defines success. I get delight in thinking that I'm doing better than someone else. Maybe you spend money for security. Maybe you save money in an unhealthy way because you're more confident in your bank account than you are the ongoing provision of the Lord? Maybe you're like me and you spend money on comfort too much? I was telling Jordan this week as I was praying through this sermon, I probably spend about $4 a day on Diet Pepsi. Right? I know what you're saying, don't drink that trash. I get it, but you know, I, I just like the taste of it for some reason. But I go and I get two for one because they have some specials, I get two for one but I don't even think about it. 
I don't, I don't even think, of, it's $4. I don't even think about spending $4 on Diet Pepsi. Now, let's just say I don't do it every day. Let's just say I do it, you know, five days a week. 20 bucks a week, 80 bucks a month. That's almost $1,000 a year on Diet Pepsi. And I'm sure the Pepsi company thanks me. But I spend it so quickly, I don't even think about it. I don't even put it before the Lord to consider what that $1,000 could do if I would just drink water. Now, I'm not saying you have to give up every enjoyment of life. I'm just saying, have we ever submitted it to the Lord? Have we ever even considered how much money we're spending on going to the mountains or going to the beach or getting a massage or getting a, a pedicure or getting that new chair? Have we ever even considered if there is a better use for the funds God's entrusted to us than just making this life a little bit more manageable when we weren't made for this life to begin with. Maybe, this is what I hope would be true of us and more true of us as we move forward from this moment, is that we would look at the way that we spend our money and we would see a heart for the gospel. That we're giving money and service to the Lord through his church for the sake of the gospel. Not neglecting the earthly responsibilities we have. Listen, we gotta spend money. I, I've got to take care of my family as a husband, as a father. I have responsibilities as a, a taxpayer and a citizen of this country. I can't ignore earthly responsibilities. But in that, that realm of other income and of, of first and best, am I giving to the Lord for the sake of, of the gospel, because while I cannot ignore my earthly responsibilities, I can also not ignore my responsibility as a follower and disciple of Jesus. And if we're truly to be a disciple of Jesus, if our goal is to become more like Christ through the work of the word and the spirit in our lives, then we must consider whether or not generosity is showing up. Because certainly, certainly generosity is at the heart of the gospel, right? God, the Father, gave. And what did he give? His son. The best he could offer. The only hope we have. The son. And what did the son give? He left. He gave up. He left. The glory of heaven took on flesh to dwell among us, living a perfect, sinless life. Becoming like a servant. Obedient. To the point even of death on a cross. He gave up the glory of heaven to die the shame of a death that we deserved. He gave up his body to be broken. He gave up his blood, broken and spilled out for our redemption, for our salvation. All so that we could share in the glorious inheritance that he alone deserves, but pours out for our benefit. He's also given us the spirit to work in us, to help us live lives that are glorifying and pleasing to the Father in service of our God who saves. Here's the question. Are we willing to allow the Lord to stretch us in this area of discipleship in generosity so that we as a people more clearly display the character and nature of God? Are we evidencing 
the power of the gospel through generosity as individuals, as a people? Are we willing to put our bank account, our bank statement, our credit card statement before the Lord and say, how are we doing? How am I doing as a follower? Am I, am I sowing into the kingdom? Am I storing up treasures for myself here or there? And as your pastor, someone who has been charged in this text in particular, in scripture, to keep a, a watch not only on myself, but on this flock as pastors here who are called to be overseers of this body, of this congregation, we long for you to find the blessing of generosity. We long for it, not just for this moment, but for the whole of your life. And that's what's really exciting about this moment. Yes, we hope to build a building where we can multiply our ministry at Creedmoor Road, but the greater hope is that we, through this process, would become a supernaturally generous people. We want you to know the true freedom of living in obedience to Christ. We want you to, to be a living example of the power of the gospel. And here's what we also believe, that as we grow in the fruit of walking in obedience in this area of discipleship, as we grow in faithfulness to be generous, that these other areas of faithfulness that Paul mentions in his own life will also show up as we've been studying throughout our time in the book of Acts. If we grow in generosity, I have no doubt that we will grow in humility because we will think less of ourselves and more about God and our neighbor. We will grow in perseverance. We will grow in event, evangelistic boldness because we really believe this stuff and it's shown up in our lives. We'll grow in obedience. This one area of faithfulness will no doubt have a ripple effect into other areas of faithfulness, all of which we will need in order to continue the ministry of Bayleaf right here and on Bayleaf Church Road and then to multiply it over to Creedmoor Road. Church, we have been entrusted to God and to his word of grace. May we show it, may we evidence it today and every day until the Lord Jesus comes and takes us home. So how can we respond this morning? Let me just offer two responses to the teaching of God given to us through the power of the Spirit and through Paul here in Acts chapter 20. The first is for those who would say that they are not followers of Christ or maybe that you're unsure about where you stand before a holy and righteous God. We're asking for commitments this morning, but the only commitment we're asking of you is to Jesus with your life. Would you respond this morning by repenting of your sin and believing in Jesus alone for salvation? Would you this morning grasp under the work of the Spirit and the testimony of the Word the generosity that God has shown you in Christ? Would you be moved and overwhelmed by the love that he has poured out on you and the son to save you from an eternity separated from him? And would you give your life? In just a minute, we'll have some pastors and ministers here as we respond later in the service. And we would love to pray with you and encourage you if you believe the Lord is leading you in that way. For the rest of us, for those of us who are in Christ, for members of Bayleaf, anyone who calls Bayleaf Church their home. This morning, our call to respond is an opportunity to evidence the gospel of Jesus, to act 
in generosity in such a way that we would testify to the fruit of the gospel in our lives as a people. And listen, yes, we are talking about responding to this particular work that we believe God is calling us to here and at Creedmoor Road, but I really want us to think about the work of the gospel beyond that and see this moment as a spiritual exercise of discipleship as we consider our spending habits and whether or not we are spending under the lordship of Christ for his kingdom. Can this be a moment for us to to flex our generosity muscles in a way that helps us grow spiritually and become more devoted to Jesus. It's kind of like fasting. Many of us in this room, many of us in our church over the past 40 days have been praying and fasting for this moment in the history of our church. And I was talking with Jordan. There's just something unique about fasting. It's, It's amazing how even just missing two meals, the Lord can redeem that and teach us so much in just a day about where our heart is. You know, like as you hunger for food and your stomach begins to cry out for food, that the natural question is spiritually, hey, if I'm not feasted on the word of God today, does my spirit, do I I feel and sense my spirit crying out for God in the same way? It's amazing how that physical act of discipline can have such great spiritual benefit, quick spiritual benefit in our hearts. And the same thing is true with generosity and the act of giving. As we feel the the pinch, oh man, I gotta do without that. Or I'm I'm saying we're not gonna have this or I'm sacrificing that. It reveals something quickly in our heart, doesn't it? Almost immediate. Oh wait, why would I be unwilling to give that to the Lord? Why am I unwilling to submit that to the Lord? that action is a, is a wonderful grace of God for our discipleship. So would we do that today and do it joyfully, cheerfully? Because we believe what Jesus said, that it is better. Turn to your neighbor and say, it is better. It is better, better to give than to receive. So that's what we're gonna think about this morning responding in that way. And I want you to know that as you respond this morning, know that you're joining other members, other believers, other people here at Bayleaf in taking that step, that discipleship step. Last week, our kids ministry had their commitment Sunday where they brought some of their first and their best as an example to us about how to give unto the Lord. It was a great moment of discipleship, even in my own home. As last Saturday night, Jordan and I gathered the kids and said, hey, tomorrow's the day where we're gonna give unto the Lord. And so we want want you to go to your room, your toy room, and find a toy or a stuffy, that's what we call stuffed animals in my house, a stuffy that you love, that you're willing to share with someone else, that you're willing to give to someone else who may not have as much as you as a commitment to to begin to honor the Lord with your possessions. And so Jude went to his room and Julia went to her room. And I remember following Julia to her room and her going to her her toy box and just begin to unload all these stuffies. I mean, just a crazy amount of stuffies that her grandmothers continue to give to her, all right? But I remember her just taking them out and looking at them and begin begin to consider which one she wanted to give away. And it was so moving to me because that's her... That's her bank account. 
That's where the things that she treasures most reside, and she was willing to go through them and give some away for the joy of her father, the joy of her mother, and I pray in her heart one day, her own joy as she comes to serve the Lord and follow after Jesus. What an example for me, for us. And then a couple weeks ago on October 15th, we had our advanced commitment night and several of our members took the first step in flexing this generosity muscle. And I want you to take a look at the screen to hear a testimony from that night. Lord, this has been on the hearts of the people for well over 20 years. And Lord, tonight we celebrate. Lord, we celebrate that you have brought us here. And now, as we look toward the west just a little bit, and we look to Creedmoor Road, Lord, I pray you will bless it. You'll continue to bless this church. Our multiplied commitment means to us is a being good stewards of what God's given to us. Uh, we want to be faithful to uh, teach our, our sons what it means to be good stewards of what we have. So that means uh, faithful stewards of our finances. And so just giving generously and teaching these guys what it looks like to, to give generously. I grew up coming to Bailey Baptist Church. I um, became a believer here and was baptized in the sanctuary. It's a really neat idea to, to think that um, where we're building in the Creedmoor Road property, that our children and even our grandchildren could be there one day worshiping as well as a result of our obedience and faithfulness to God. Uh, anyone watching this can see what matters so uh, much to us, which is our two daughters here. And we, we feel like this campaign is going to enhance their future through Bailey. We've grown in the knowledge uh, of the Lord through our, through our study of the Word. And I want other families to be able to share that experience as well. I want them to be able to raise their children here or their grandchildren to be able to grow in the knowledge of the Lord through the through study of the Word of God. And they're going to be able to do that, not only here at Bayleaf on um, Possum Track, but at Creemore Road. And so that's why my wife and our family are excited to participate in Multiply. And we're just so thankful to be part of the Multiply process. And we can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do in the coming months and years ahead. Uh, we've been able to reach so many kids' lives through this ministry partnership. And, uh, and as we expand to the Creedmoor Road uh, area, there's no doubt in my mind that we'll be able to reach even more. For Sarah and I, the Multiply Commitment means our response and obedience to what we believe God is calling us to do with what He has blessed us with. We believe that what the scriptures say are true, that our life is but a vapor, and that God alone is the source of our strength and provision. So uh, Multiply to me is an opportunity to walk by faith and not by sight, uh, to really begin to trust in the Lord in a, in a new way, in a new season, uh, to step outside the comfort zone, to, to step into what, what God is calling us to do. And when I think about uh, raising a family, you know, I think about college tuition, I think about kids in braces, I think about all the things uh, that, are, that are right there on the horizon, but also think about what it means to trust in the Lord, to give first to Him, uh, to trust in Him for the rest. Uh, to invest in that which is eternal and not just that which is, is temporary. So I'm excited about this season. We've been so fortunate to be a part of the Bailey family and want to contribute a small part of people having access not only to the gospel, but also the community that's been so supportive of us. So what this Multiply campaign means to me, 
really pretty simple. Bayleaf continues what it always has been, a mission-minded church. Not that we've done any great thing, but we went because Jesus asked us to go and share the good news. So to help us, as a people to respond this morning, I want us to take these commitment cards that should be in the pews in front of you, or maybe you brought your own today, and to open them up, and we're going to spend some time thinking about them, praying over them, and then in just a moment when I give you direction, we'll come and offer them, okay? So if you could, take these commitment cards, open them up, and let me just walk you through how we're asking you to prayerfully consider giving to the ministry, continuing to give to the ministry here at Bayleaf on this campus, and then also helping us to extend the reach of our ministry to Creedmoor Road. Here's what we want you to begin praying through as individuals or a family this morning. Hopefully you've been praying through it the whole time. This first box under your commitment for Multiply says, what I or we would normally give in a year to the, to the regular ministry budget. So think about what you give to the church every year. And what you should give to the church. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that God calls us as a people to always give a portion of what he's entrusted us back to the Lord. So what is the portion that you give all the time or maybe that you should be giving to the local church? And then you put that there. You can start off with a month and then multiply it times 12 and put that whole number, that annual number there in the first box. In the second box, maybe the Lord is calling us to give a little bit sacrificially. So again, always a portion, sometimes a sacrifice. That's what we think about in terms of giving, the Bible's teaching on giving. So the first part is always a portion. The second is sometimes a sacrifice. So is the Lord calling you to give a little bit more than you would normally give to partner with us as a church, to partner together for the sake of growing our ministry reach at Bayleaf? And whatever it is the Lord is asking you to give more, you would put there. And then you would multiply those numbers times two to get a two-year commitment. And then you write it here in this box, the next box with dollar sign. And then maybe also some of you have some stored resources. Maybe some of you the Lord has been very generous to or kind to and you've been able to save throughout the years. Maybe you have a collection that you want to sell because it's not doing anything for you. It's just sitting on a shelf or something. And the Lord has called you to sell that or give a portion of those stored resources. Whatever that is, you would put here. And then all those numbers together, whatever that total is, we want you to put in the black shaded box your two-year multiply commitment. But notice it begins in December of this year and goes all the way through December 2025. That's what we're asking you to pray through and think through through this moment of response. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna spend some time as a people, praying over this, filling it out, and dedicating it to the Lord. And then just a minute, I'll invite us to respond after we spend some time in prayer. So would you, with open hands and open hearts, put this before the Lord and begin praying about it and filling it out.
spend some time praying over this. Let's write in our number. Let me just say a word to those who are joining us online. Let me remind you, you can do this digitally. If you go to our website and to our multiply link, you can fill out this digitally. And I was also told that I may have given some misdirection earlier. If you've already filled one out and put it in the offering plate, because I said commitment card, not connect card earlier, I'm gonna encourage you to fill it out again. I'll tell you why in just a minute. Because I want you to be a part of this expression of our people. To be able to join us and coming and bringing your, your commitment to the Lord. And so let's put in the numbers. And then as you do that, would you just take your commitment card and, and kind of hold it in front of you with your, your hands open. And let's make this a very spiritual moment. And let's offer these to the Lord. Father, we're so grateful for how you have blessed us God, you are the the source of everything good. Everything that we have that is good comes from you, and we acknowledge that today. We give you praise for that. We also recognize the most important good we have is the salvation we have in Christ. Thank you for how you have acted generously to save us. And Father, now we want to respond by giving of ourselves and of our resources. We want to be generous in a way that shows and evidences the continued work of the gospel in our heart and testifies to your generosity as a people. And Father, we believe that you're calling us to do a specific work, a unique work on this property you've given to us. And we wanna walk in faithfulness. But Father, we also want something more. We want our hearts to be released from the idols and the love and the care of this world and be wholly devoted to you. And God, would this be, our commitment here be an expression of that. Father, we wanna give cheerfully and joyfully because we believe it is better to give and we're asking you to take what we're about to put in these baskets and multiply them as only you can just like you took the fish and the bread and those baskets Father would you take these and do more these commitments and do more with them than we could believe so that it is clearly your work in us and through us for your glory. Find us faithful, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week at Bayleaf. For more information about Bayleaf Baptist Church, visit our website at bayleaf.org.